thanks for pushing play and inviting me to hang out with you for part of your day. Welcome to the Stronger Together podcast. I'm Risa Ganell, licensed clinical marriage and family therapist. I'm a wife, mom, or ema, as my daughter calls me, and stepmom. With 25 years of experience as a couples therapist, five marathons under my belt so far, and a passion for helping relationships thrive. Let's all get stronger together physically, emotionally, and in our most important relationships. Let's get to it. Welcome to today's episode of the Stronger Together podcast. I'm so glad that you pushed play and are joining us today. I have a really special topic for us to talk about today because one in eight couples have trouble getting pregnant or sustaining a pregnancy. That's a huge number. And I see lots of couples in my practice who have experienced this kind of difficulty and the stress and the frustration and the anger and some of the grief that both people have to work through and work through together when experiencing the struggles of infertility. So today I have asked my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Tara Simpson, to join us to talk about how she works with couples around infertility issues. Dr. Simpson is a licensed psychologist here in Maryland, and her special interests include providing counseling to individuals with issues related to reproductive health, including fertility issues, adjustment to utilizing assisted reproductive treatments, pregnancy loss, and postpartum depression. In addition, she works extensively with individuals and couples pursuing treatment using donated gametes, that's eggs or sperm, and or gestational carriers and recently co-authored a chapter on Counseling Surrogate Carrier Participants in Fertility Counseling, a Clinical Guide, and Case Studies. She serves on the Executive Committee of the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, Mental Health Professional Group, and is a member of Resolve. Dr. Simpson sees patients in her Towson and her Columbia offices. I know that because she shares space with me here in my office in Columbia, Maryland. So you'll hear us talk about how we uh, get some things through osmosis or through the walls here in our office. Part of the mission of this podcast is to help couples become stronger emotionally, physically, and mentally, and spiritually, right, from a really holistic perspective. And your weight, health, and lifestyle can affect your fertility. So it's really important that you eat well, manage your weight, and exercise. And this is for guys or girls, right? It's not just for women. Because being over or underweight can have a consequence on your fertility. And exercise can help reduce the elevated stress levels couples reach when trying to conceive. So I share that with you to remind you that infertility, along with any other topic that we are talking about on this podcast, is significantly impacted by how you treat your body. And that's part of the reason that I have branched out and included 
fitness and nutrition support for the couples that I work with, or for those of you who can't make it into my office because you don't live anywhere near Columbia, Maryland. I'm here for you and I run support groups that you can connect to. I'm going to share with you a story that I read on the Resolve website. The Resolve website is the National Infertility Association because I really want this to hit home for you. And then you'll get to hear my conversation with Dr. Simpson. This is from an anonymous person who talks about how exercise improved her life. Infertility, as we know well, is a life-changing experience. Suddenly, you're thrown into the, at times, overwhelming process of medical treatment, and you're forced to look at seemingly grim statistics. Your relationship comes under a microscope because you both get so caught up in grief that you may turn away from one another. I understand this all too well because it happened to me. For three years, I refused to believe what was happening. I went through all the tests and IUI cycle after cycle, always resulting in getting my period. I tried acupuncture and taking a break, but nothing seemed to make me feel better. Forget exercising. I was too exhausted, too emotionally drained to even consider it. My husband would get up and run every day. Heck, he ran three marathons during treatment. He seemed to be coping okay. But I justified this as the fact that he wasn't the one being shot full of medication. My attitude changed when I faced the recent devastation of a failed IVF cycle. I was certain I was pregnant this time around. My body felt different. I was nauseated, my breasts were huge, and my cycle went incredibly well. So what happened? I don't know. And despite the great scientific achievements over the past several years, once they transfer the embryos, it's fate. I cannot tell you the grief I experienced, but many of you know just what I'm talking about. So finally, after five years of not exercising out of fear, stress, emotional discord, I decided to exercise out of anger and frustration. I was upset and I needed to let go. I needed to be angry and mad and I wanted to punch something. So I decided to try kickboxing. It was aggression. For one hour, I was so focused on punching and kicking that I forgot I'd lost my babies. I forgot that those two little embryos were no longer inside. I felt the adrenaline rushing through my body and I felt physically spent. The exhaustion enabled me to sleep for the first time in years. The most remarkable difference was when my husband turned to me and said, you look refreshed. I haven't seen you that look on you for a long time. So now for an hour each day, I forget. And for the next IVF, I feel more prepared. I love her honesty about how she just got mad. And sometimes that's what it takes. I know that that's what it took for me also to get back into exercising because I was mad. I wasn't going through infertility treatments, but we all have things that bring us down and get us frustrated and angry. And exercise is a wonderful way to channel that energy and turn it into something positive. So I'm going to make it really simple for you. My next fitness group is starting up in April. All you have to do, jump on your email and email me, risaganell at gmail.com. It's as simple as that. Just shoot me a message that you heard this and that you'd like more information about joining our group. Okay, on to my conversation with Dr. Tara Simpson about infertility and its impact on couples. So Tara, thank you so much for joining us today on 
the Stronger Together podcast. I meet with a lot of couples in my practice who have struggled with in the past or are currently struggling with fertility issues or infertility. And, you know, I generally see them once they've been through a lot of the process and oftentimes are having struggles in their relationship, partly as a result of all that they've been through. And I'm just so glad to have you here to talk more directly about the process that people go through, some of the experiences that not just couples, but individuals have with fertility and infertility struggles. So instead of me rambling on, (laughs) why don't you talk a little bit for our listeners about what it is that you do and sort of the two realms of the world of infertility and treatments. And we'll just sort of go from there. Sounds great. It's one of my favorite things to talk about, although it's often one of the most painful things that people have gone through. Absolutely. So I basically do two types of counseling with individuals and or couples. The first one would be the traditional therapeutic counseling. And that's when people are coming in to talk about their thoughts and feelings surrounding trying to get pregnant. Oftentimes these are people who are just starting out the process and there is an issue, but it's already causing some problems. Now, if I'm correct, remind me and our listeners that having trouble getting pregnant, there's there's a certain timeline that doctors sort of define that as? Doctors and insurance companies sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, oftentimes it used to be it was a full year. Okay. Um, it still traditionally tends to be a full year, although if you're past a certain age and you're getting closer, I believe after 35 now, they're saying six months. Okay. Insurance companies sometimes will have their own where they you need to have documented, shown that you're using treatment okay. to get coverage. Um, for this treatment. Um, But, you know, I think there was a time where just in general, we wanted people to relax, go on vacation and keep trying. And doctors, I hear now more than ever, are more willing to have people sourced out and go get checked, get a full fertility checkup. Okay. And then, then, then have answers as to what's happened. So six months to a year, although sometimes people get very worried after trying for one month. It's not uncommon to have it be difficult to get pregnant. At any given month, it, for a young couple trying to conceive, it's 20% chance. So, wow, I didn't know uh, that. I know, because yeah. we were always taught that it, you know, it would be 100%. Right. <laughs> um, and that's often where people struggle, is they think, I thought this would happen. So the therapeutic counseling is about just dealing with the feelings and thoughts of an individual and a couple, or of the couple dealing with each other, and then the couple dealing with the world. There's so many levels to this, how fertility challenges impact us. Sure. Um, From just individual to couple to then familial. Family. Society. What it means to be a man and a woman. You know, sort of the different expectations. And if if it's a same-sex couple, all of the things that go along with that that don't change. It's just you have to deal with yourself, your partner, and what society expects and what um, your peers are doing. And that's huge. I consider fertility issues to be a developmental crisis. And a medical crisis. Yeah, it's just both not at the same time. Absolutely. It's just not something that we readily uh, look at or acknowledge because there's nothing to see. People are just trying this usually behind the scenes. Yeah. And the other type of counseling that I do is something called Im- implication counseling. Okay, and what is that? That is when people either choose to come in and talk with me about making a next step. Like maybe they were doing something called 
interuterine insemination, which is an IUI. Okay. Or they were doing in vitro fertilization, which is called IVF. Maybe they were doing one of those fertility treatments, and they have to move on to another type of treatment. Because those have not been successful. successful. Yes, or there's been continued losses, which would also fall into that category. And so some couples, maybe one person isn't excited about doing mm. the next step, or maybe they're just looking for what what the data says or, or what what are the certain implications of moving forward morally, ethically. People's value sometimes gets challenged by moving forward with different alternatives. And what I'm speaking, and then of course, so people voluntarily do that. And then oftentimes for implications counseling, the fertility center requires it because it ends up falling within some of the guidelines of the professional organization of my field, which is uh, reproductive health, which is the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, okay. ASRM. And so ASRM has said, if someone's moving into using donated gametes, so that would be donor egg, donor sperm, donor embryo, and some people use both donor egg and sperm, Okay. Uh, the guidelines say, have people come in and talk about that decision. What that means is most people to get to using donated gametes, there has been a shift in the continuum somewhere. That's not usually how people out of the gate in their lives expect to start having a family. Sure. So it's talking about with the couple or person, how did you get here? What have you tried and what have you been through? Mm -hmm. And then the next part of that is I say, we're going to talk about what we know about kids born, born from donor egg or sperm. Because we got to make sure that a couple or an individual is doing okay moving forward. Mm -hmm. But I also want to use that opportunity to talk with them about what we know from these kids. The, these offspring, they're not even kids. I mean, we have full cohorts of children who have been born to donor sperm. And the oldest donor egg child is approximately 44 now. Okay. So I, can, I talk with them about, this is what we know about offspring from these great technologies. But these are things that I would want you to consider. That's really interesting and not something I think that people may just sort of typically think about. You know, I, and people will say, we thought we were coming in here to meet with you because you were going to make sure we weren't crazy or we, you were supposed to tell us if we were okay to have kids. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if I had that skill, I'd go out on the street. <laughs> I really get one shot with you. And maybe, I mean, I also run groups for people and I'm like, maybe we'll meet again and talk about this further. Maybe you'll come to a group, but I have this one time with you to talk about how do you feel about doing this? What are your worries about it? And this is what we know. And I'm going to send you all the stuff I have on it. So that's more psychoeducational. Sure. And I think the therapeutic counseling, the first one I talked about with you, ends up being much more, let's do some psychosocial, let's just really pull apart and psychotherapeutic help having people cope. But neither of them are completely clear-cut. I think I end up finding that I'm educating people during uh, therapeutic counseling. Yeah, and it's, not, no. it's not black and white. No. It's, it, they really cross over. They really do. So that's sort of the, the broad okay. spectrum of, of fertility counseling. And do all fertility centers require this kind of counseling? No. They, no, they don't. There's, and there's a wide range. Some people say, you know, it was encouraged we come see you. And then other fertility centers, it, it just is part of, it's part of what they do. They consider it, um, they have built-in staff or they have consultants, and they just want to have that across the board that everyone has sort of done that, and it's uniform, 
and they know that, I mean, I don't think anyone's ever been harmed from it. Sure. Um, it's just one more appointment often for yeah. people. Among a lot of, <laughs> of many, right? So, so, but um, it's it's never to harm. It's really just to educate. I think it's a really important step because there is so much emotion mm -hmm. around starting a family and starting a family in an in the non-traditional way, in the mm -hmm. way that many would not have expected to need to. You don't find out until there's a problem. Absolutely, and just like I know with the work that you do. What we bring into our room comes from all the years before. So each person in a couple brings in their family health history, their family history, right. and then their couple history. And then when you have this overlay of fertility, it's just a whole other dynamic each person is dealing with individually and what they are facing together. And when you think about that, what do you hope or wish that couples going through this would know? Mm -hmm. or think about or talk about with each other, mm -hmm. with a therapist like you. Talk a little bit about that, Sure. the kinds of things you see and experience. I think one of the biggest issues, and this is not going to sound like much that's new, is that the two sticking points I find for people, couples going through treatment, are their coping skills, how they each cope with coming up against this dilemma, this frustration, and then the communication styles around their feelings and thoughts about it. More often than not, if we were making this about a heterosexual couple, the women bear the brunt of the appointments. Sure. Um, their bodies are the ones that are usually having the treatment getting done. So uh, we find that, I think it ends up being it's not a perfect breakdown, but you've got a third of fertility cases are female factor. Okay. A third are male factor. A third are both. But I have to tell you, we have to leave a small percentage in for the unexplained infertility. And all of those have their own particular difficulties. Because the reason why you're diagnosed with fertility issues, if it depends on whose fault, quote unquote, it is, that adds an extra layer to this as well. And so women often will feel as if they are doing this more alone and emotionally feel as if they are not being supported. And if you look at, if it's a heterosexual couple, the men will often, and I'm talking in huge generalizations here, but you will really hear men say, I really just want to fix this problem. Yeah. And so you end up with people utilizing coping skills like sharing, talking. People cope by distancing withdrawing, people cope by um, maybe avoiding, and problem solving, and everything in between. And if two people in one couple are doing coping skills and using communication styles that go in direct opposition to what the other person needs, it really just ends up being very difficult. Yeah. Because both people are struggling. Both people want to have a family. I mean, right. let's just assume that both of these people really do want to have a family, right. which is usually the case. Um, both people are hurting. And so it's being lost in the hurt together that's where it gets really tricky. It's how they support each other when they're already feeling not supported, maybe by friends, by family, not that anyone's doing overtly anything unsupportive, but if you're not where you want to be, being pregnant with your friends or having the next grandbaby, 
you already have some isolation. Sure, isolation and unmet expectations, mm -hmm. whether they're your own or somebody else's that is sort of being put upon you. Absolutely. Uh, as well as some of the anger that can come up for being in this position. A lot of anger, a lot of feeling punished, feeling and hopeless guilt. and helpless, yeah. and then so much grief. Yeah. What we often talk about, I'll say to people, what I hear is, this has also been a loss of innocence for you, because maybe you assumed this would just be something that was easy, because we all think that. Yeah. Or that you've now learned that you could lose a pregnancy at six weeks once you get that much coveted pregnancy. Right. And then, of course, there is real loss. The loss of that you wanted to be a family starting three years ago. Right. Or that there has been a pregnancy loss. And nobody knows that or sees that very yeah. often. And that's often kept secret mm -hmm. in many families. You know, people are not great about grieving someone they've never met. Yeah. <sighs> At least with celebrities, we have some of their movies or movie star or rock stars we know their music but people say things to other people that are so hurtful about someone that they didn't even know that had yeah. been lost yeah because when uh, one of the sayings that gets used a lot is um, the way that society lets people grieve is by the size of a coffin mm. and I think that really is so salient here yeah absolutely a lot of time is spent when I meet with people, regardless of the type of work I'm doing, is saying, if I had a magic wand, I would really make sure that you had a baby right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't. So our work together is sitting with this ambiguity. I think we know you'll be a family. I just don't think we know when yet or what it's going to look like. Or exactly how, how that exactly. will come about. Exactly. And so, you know, the work ends up being broken down into these very strange time periods, people gearing up to be in treatment. Or All even the tests. making the decision, do we go through with this again? Exactly. Especially for those who have tried once, twice, three times. Right. Do we do it again? And, and what's the timeline on that? Like, yeah. What's our arbitrary timeline? Or is it when you have your the first day of the menstrual cycle mm -hmm. or, or the 28 day wait or the tw two week wait, the 28 day cycle? You know, or having to wait the six weeks after uh, a DNC when someone has to have a term, a pregnant terminated, mm -hmm. pregnancy terminated. Everything is in this weird time frame, and so that makes people feel more pressure to make a decision. Or like your example of should we keep doing this? That feels like a time pressure that that could just kind of go on forever. And I'm glad you brought that up because one of the decisions people do have to sometimes make is, do we want to have child free? living. Or if secondary infertility, which is when you have a child, but it's not easy to have a second, third, or whatever extra one, yeah. extra, quote unquote, <laughs> people will say there's still someone missing at my dinner table, but that's another way that that's not recognized. Mm. We're only finished our family building when we both feel that we are. We're finished rather than, well, you have one, so you should be happy. You should be happy. Yeah. You're already a family. Right. And so there's so much that people rush in to say to make people feel better about this. And those are the things that often are really harmful. We don't, and we don't know it. Right, we right. Because everyone is trying to be compassionate and thoughtful and, and help them solve. through and problem solve. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And uncomfortable with their own feelings about it, whether they've recognized that or not. Mm -hmm. And so some of the things they may say 
reflect that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so some of the work in doing work with couples is unraveling how they want to handle their families and talking about it. Some people are really open at first with family and then they dial it back and they have to both, you know, deal with how they're going to approach it at the family dinners. Holidays, there's always one coming up. Right. Um, and that's something that puts stress on a couple are these these holidays where they maybe share it with family and how they're going to maneuver that. Just wedding anniversaries can be really tough because the big piece I haven't even talked about is the sexuality piece here. Sure. <laughs> In that sex is a vital part of, of a relationship. Mm -hmm. You usually have sex to have kids, not always. Um, so if that's something that isn't happening because people don't feel like it because of treatment or they don't feel sexy or they feel not connected to their partner, that is just another way that the tide of this sort of uh, erodes at a foundation for sure. a couple. Sure, because it can also leave couples feeling very mechanical mm -hmm. about sex, about their cycle, about all of it. Mm -hmm. I hear, what's the point? What's it's, the not, point? it's not the yeah. right time. I will have one couple say, all that she really wants me for is my sperm. Mm -hmm which is not the case, but really does become the case. You know, yeah. It does start to feel that way. Yeah. It all becomes very purposeful. Mm -hmm. There's a mission mm -hmm. rather than primarily the pre pleasure and connection. Right. That hopefully, oh, and by the way, adds oh, to yes. your family. Right. Have a baby. People also start to pull away from, as a couple, you have a group of friends or even just people that are in your neighborhood one or both of them start to pull away because someone invariably is going to announce they're pregnant or ask how you all are doing if they're a younger couple, heterosexual couple, or if they're just uh, a married uh, same-sex couple or heterosexual couple. Right. People often ask you, what do you do for a living and do you have any do children? Kids. Yeah. And so we will start to avoid baby showers, yeah. time with friends. It makes me think of when you become pregnant or you're trying to become pregnant, all of a sudden everyone, everything you notice <laughs> is who's pregnant mm -hmm. everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. Because that's what your mind is looking for. Absolutely. Consciously and subconsciously. I thought everybody had my car because we right. all had that's great right. tasting cars. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so it ends up being that people will discuss, don't, they don't feel anywhere safe. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it feels loaded to go to the Target. It feels loaded to go to Sunday dinner or go to work or sit on the couch with your partner because if one person wants to talk and the other one is afraid to or any way that that shows up, yeah, then people just end up sort of stuck in their own heads. Yeah, which is why it's so important to have a resource, mm -hmm. someone to talk to mm -hmm. about all of this. Yeah, and people will say, I'm thankful that I don't have to educate you on all of the terminology. I said, I didn't really think that mattered to me until I came <laughs> in and you were like, oh, la, 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 la. Because, I mean, it's just like any subspecialty, it's, it's, it's just a, another way, that common language, at least, you feel, oh, okay, so this person, maybe they haven't had to do it, or maybe they have, but I don't have to. It's, not, it's one less person I have to educate. Right. And I, and I, and I don't problem solve. Not in the way that telling them that, that, you know, I had an aunt that once got pregnant at 42 or, you know, have you ever thought about dot, dot, dot. Yeah. 
but usually just having the person be able to talk about how they feel. And some of these feelings, men and women may never have felt in their lives mm-hmm. before. If you work hard, you usually can get usually you can get what you want, right? That's what we're taught. That's what we're taught. That's what sure. we're taught. This is a way that isn't really the case. You you know, I I will say you'd probably stand on your head and spin around if the doctor told you that would make it happen. Yeah. Um, and so there's just a lot of loss of self-efficacy here, which is how you end up feeling. You can feel really helpless. Yes even though you're in the middle of it. And that's why walking away from treatment or taking a break can be It's helpful. so hard. But it's so hard. So talk a little bit about that and how it, it can, can be It can be helpful. really helpful, but most people find it hard because what they see is if I walk away, that's one more month that I might not be. I'm, I'm choosing that. Uh-huh. Like I, I'm making that not happen. And it's, it's almost like it's hard to walk away from the roulette table yeah. <laughs> because the odds of it working outweigh, you know. And if I make the choice to step away, it absolutely won't happen. Right. But like you said, it's so important to take breaks because there is is something about getting a perspective of self-care. And sometimes that is doing mindfulness meditation on what I love about mindfulness is you have to be present which yes. means you can't worry about all the things you should have done differently in the past. And I can't be so worried about what's going to happen next. I have to just sort of sit with myself. I'm so glad you're saying that because it's a very powerful tool for so many things mm-hmm. that our mind and our bodies are intricately connected. Mm-hmm. And so when we take the time to, whether it's meditate or take a break from something that's very draining, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally. It gives our bodies time to repair, to reduce cortisol levels, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm sure plenty of other things too. All those other levels. All those other levels (laughs) that impact us and then can allow us to step back into the process in a healthier way, physically, emotionally. Absolutely. I mean, some people moving forward, you know, to, to get treatment, you have to take a lot of hormones yeah. into your body in different ways. So your body is already revving at a different place than maybe it would baseline. Right. I always say I will take acupuncture, mindfulness meditation, massage, because you know what you're doing? You're taking charge of what happens to your body. Yeah. And mindfulness is the best example because we are our own feedback loop. Yes. And if we don't have control over much, I will always say I will take that. you and so that it's hard people say but I don't want to be with my thoughts that much I'm like but the point is is that you just you kind of have to learn to right and it's a little bit even more than that it's just in this moment like I'm okay be okay yeah it is what it is yeah so that's it's just a very difficult it's difficult on just a good day sure but it really it is so helpful to be able to do that for people and so that's what I say when you come in here you and I are going to sit with the ambiguity and we're going to figure out how to get this foundation shored up the best it can so that you come out of this out of this as strong as possible to do all this other these treatments and carry a pregnancy right or make a decision about how you'll have a family Um, but we need to make sure everyone and I say there's three people in the room there's you the one partner you the second partner and then the couple yes yeah, I say the same thing Do to you? my clients. I right? Very that s- from you. Osmosis <laughs> through the wall. <laughs> through the wall. That's right. Yeah, because I say to them that their relationship is my client. Hmm. 
I like that, right. yeah. Um, and, and that certainly each of them as individuals influence that relationship and are a part of that relationship. A lot. And, you know, being a parent or going to be a parent is so stressful. It, it's wonderful, but it's also a whole other amazing journey. Right. And so also just having, making sure that two people remember why they wanted to start a family together and how they can, even though this is often a very tough thing that they've had to deal with, maybe the hardest thing, uh, how they can use, some people will talk about this made us closer. And I always think, well, that was a great reframe of yes. a situation. Yeah. And, and sometimes people have to learn how to make it. How to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That they're on the same team, that they are yeah. not against each other, that they're really on the same team. Uh, and that also makes me think of those who are going through fertility treatments a second time mm -hmm. or maybe for the first time but already have a child, mm -hmm. the impact that it has on their child as well, right? That this impacts their family and the stressors that they're going through. Mm -hmm. I don't care how old their child is, they pick up on it. They do. They do. And, you know, people will often talk about that the, the child that they have asks about a brother or a sister. Yeah. And so that that is something that's really hard. They'll say, I'm just doing this because I want them to have a sibling. Like, we want a child, but I really want them to mm -hmm. have a sibling. So it, talk about extra pressure. Right. Is that then it feels like either people feel guilty because they're saying, oh, I have one or two. Why do I want another? Right. Like, I should be happy. I hear this all the time. I should be with happy with what I have. Or... You know, I wanted them to be two years apart, and now they're going to be five. Five, yeah. And so it, it already feels like the family dream has shifted or changed. Yeah. And it brings up another um, issue that comes to my mind, perhaps a bit more controversial, and I know we don't have time to go into all of it, but for those who also want either a girl or a boy, mm -hmm. and all that that brings to the table in the world of fertility treatment. Do you know, Risa, that is just starting to be something that is more of a possibility for people um, because of our health information privacy. We know a lot about embryos mm -hmm. um, when we make them, if we yeah. do that through IVF or in vitro fertilization. Uh, that really becomes where people are able to make that line, okay. that line fall. And people now are able to access that information. Okay. And it is so controversial because people feel as if there are things, a dream they have for their family, but two people in, may feel very differently. It's like finding out the gender, uh, you know, during pregnancy, during pregnancy, just to know. People have strong feelings about that because, oh, sure. it's, it's part of the magic and don't, it's the last great surprise. This is that same kind of what does it say about us mm -hmm. if we did want to have X or Y or X? <laughs> right. X, X. Yeah, right. uh, you know, what does it say about us? And it, how would we explain that to? It, 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 but it's it's really something that is right. People are just starting At the to edge. be able to make that choice. Yeah. yeah. For a long time, that was not something yeah. that could be done or even known very yeah. readily. Yeah. But people do. Just like, well, and that's the whole other thing about people choosing certain embryos because of maybe. Um, what what we'll be able to pick them for in the future? Yeah, just you know, right now it's we don't really want any embryos to have anomalies, and we want them to have um, healthy embryos so they're not incompatible with life. 
Right. More and more as science and technology moves forward, we'll be able to know a lot more. Be more and more selective and yep. in all of that. Yes. Not to just throw a little controversial thing it. in there. I love it. I love it. <laughs> as if this field isn't complex enough and complex enough for families. <laughs> That's right. And to be continued. To be continued, that'd be great. I'd love to further this conversation with you down the road. Um, but in keeping with our original plan mm-hmm. for this episode, before we conclude, mm-hmm. how can people get a hold of you if they are, you know, in this situation in need of fertility treatment, are struggling with the emotions mm-hmm. and the, all that goes along with it and struggling with their relationship around it? Sure. So um, I would, if anyone feels like they need to talk about this further or learn more, I'd be happy to help. And uh, you can certainly reach me at my business line, which is 410-303-3402. I'm also a member of the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, and I am under the, on their website under the Mental Health Professional Group. Okay. And I'm also subsumed under um, the clinical practice of Covington and Hafkin, who works with Shady Grove Fertility Center. Okay. And I'm on their website. And so can people, is that is one of those a directory so that no matter where people are in the country, they can connect with someone that could help them in their area? Absolutely. So the American Society for Reproductive Medicine has mental health professionals who are a member broken down by their state. And within that state, you can look up to see who's nearby for you. There, there really is a utility in having someone that, that gets this particular niche when someone's going through this. Absolutely. Either in tandem with the treatment they're doing with an individual or couples therapy, or if they step out of that treatment for a little while to get this type of work done. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tara, for talking with me today and for for the vital work that you do. It's really important and really helpful. So part of getting stronger together is when I get input from you. Please subscribe to this podcast and take a few minutes to write a review on iTunes. I really appreciate it. The Stronger Together podcast is brought to you by TogetherCouplesCounseling.com, where we help couples communicate better, trust more, and argue less. Please visit our website for more information on this podcast, our in-person couples therapy services, and online fitness coaching for couples and individuals. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to hearing from you. Stronger Together podcast is brought to you by Together Couples Counseling, helping you communicate, trust, and reconnect with offices in Columbia, Maryland, and in Severna Park, Maryland. For more information, please visit our website at www.togethercouplescounseling.com.